Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. BetOnline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college playoffs are here. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in on, whether you're thinking of picking the Lakers to win the NBA championship or looking for someone to upset Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go place your bets at BetOnline.ag. We killed it this week. Nothing new, nothing expected, but we ended the regular season on a high note, 9-3 and three this week, including our teaser wins, and that puts us at 100 wins on the year, 158-5 overall record, 63% to end the regular season. We'll continue to keep track in the postseason, but hell of a way to finish. We said we wanted to get to 100. We did exactly that with a 9-win weekend, 6 units up, incredible, couldn't be more happy from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online and there's always the online casino as well it never closes so at the betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again that's betonline.ag and sign up today bet online your online sportsbook experts hello welcome to 2021 happy new year I hope everyone had a safe holiday and everyone's doing well. As always, I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. Another great week of gambling, as you guys know, here on the New York Football Podcast. I hope you were able to tell. All 17 weeks. But if you haven't, it's not too late. We're getting ready for the postseason. The betting does not stop. However, unfortunately, all the games for our teams that we cover on this show have stopped. Their seasons are done. The Giants ended the year on a high note. They'll miss the playoffs, unfortunately. We'll get into that in a second. The Jets lost their finale, but will end up actually winning because they finally let Adam Gase go. And Army lost their bowl game in the final minutes of the game. And a bit of a heartbreaker. Uh, Benny Ricciardi will also be here on the show, as he always is, as a part of FTN Network and FTN Bets. Benny joins the show to help me break down the first round of the postseason. We're going to look at all the gambling lines and try to extract some early value. I'll also get his thoughts on the Jets' coaching situation. And, guys, this is a winning show. 63%, 100 wins on this show. Stick around, listen to those postseason bets. Me and Benny know what we're talking about. We're pumping out winners. We're producing winners for you guys, making you guys some money. We're making money. Hope you're making money. But let's talk some football, and let's get started with the Giants. And I want to start by saying that I'm proud with the product that Joe Judge and this coaching staff and this organization has been able to put on this field for this season. Uh, the last couple of years, and I talked about it preseason and in the offseason, that this was not New York football, Giants football. It, it, what we were playing, what the brand was, was a mirage. It's what we thought was Giants football, but it actually wasn't, and we are finally getting back to that. Big Blue ended the season snapping a three-game losing streak, defeating the Cowboys 23-19, and honestly, the game started and finished pretty much how the Giants season was in a nutshell. 
from Goldman's first fumble to his butt fumble recovery to Evan Ingram dropping the ball so bad that it got intercepted and it caused Danny to snap his turnover streak. And then the icing on the cake is our defense rose to the occasion and closed out the game. You couldn't have a game summarize the 2020 Giants more, especially because they found a way to win. And that's what they did all season long under Joe Judge. With no offseason, no preseason, new coaches, the Giants started 1-7. and seven. Judge took heat. I mean, they took a lot of shit. As soon as Judge w- was named the head coach, people were calling his tactics what, cookie cutter and fake. Too much like Bill Belichick. You want to be your own person. Congrats on your two-win season. It's not going to work. He made no excuses. And they fought. And they found themselves with a chance to win the NFC East. And, yeah, you know what? Maybe if we don't drop a few passes and beat Philly in Philly, we do win the NFC East. But we won't make excuses. And the thing is, I'm not surprised the Philly scumbags threw that game. It was expected from me. And I'm sorry if any of you Giant fans gave them the benefit of the doubt and expected anything different. I would have been more surprised if they didn't throw that game. But to say that they were doing it for a draft pick is such bullshit. Because if that was the case, you start Sudfeld from the beginning. Just like you sat all your other starters out, or even if you want to bring Sudfeld in and give him some reps, you do it at halftime. Not when you have a chance to either tie the game and they go for it on fourth. You could take the lead, and it's the last quarter of the game. I mean, they move that game to national television for that reason. To have a division on the line, make it meaningful, and just shit. But it's whatever. Because that's what Philadelphia is. Just trashy, classless. I, I, the organization doesn't even care about its own players, let alone the game of football. I mean, just think of the precedent that Doug Peterson and his organization has set for the rookies on the team, especially your rookie, could-be franchise quarterback and Jalen Hurts, moving forward. I mean, he was clearly upset on the sideline. He thought it wasn't right, but that's, that's the team they run over there. And they're proud of that. Good, be proud of that. Defend your team. But you should be ashamed of yourself. It's not me, not my head coach, not my organization. The reports of players being pissed and coming at him on the sideline, like, that's the organization to a T. They don't even treat their own players right. How do you expect them to treat anything with dignity? From Foles, to Deshaun Jackson, to Wentz, to Ertz, to Brett Selleck, to Jason Peters. Go down the list of legends. Donovan McNabb, Philly, top down, has run a poor organization that doesn't take care of their own franchise players. And are going to be in cap hell this offseason. So they're going to get what's coming to them. So enjoy the one Super Bowl. But you're going to be, uh, you're going to be in a dark hole for uh, a long time coming, Philly. So enjoy that again. But let's get back to the Giants. Because there's a lot going on. And we could touch on a lot of things following Sunday's game and Black Monday and the Eagles. But as the dust settles, let's just summarize it this way. Dave Gettleman's going to be back. Garrett's getting calls to be a head coach, thank God. And so is Patty G. And I'm hoping Patty G stays exactly where he is and he doesn't listen to the Jets. And one can only hope Jason Garrett and his clapping hands get punted into the sun. But what matters most is that Joe Judge is the head coach of the New York Giants. And his comments about the Eagles that are going viral told you everything you need to know about the type of coach he is for anyone who didn't follow the Giants. For anyone who thought he was still all talk. It's who he is. And he represents this organization, the New York Football Giants, perfectly. And it was in his opening press conference when he said, I'm going to put a product on the field that you guys can be proud of. And I'm proud of it. We've come a long way from the last couple of years. 
And we're not all the way there yet. We're not a winning team yet. But we're winning games. And despite all the Gettle Grumps out there that have their fits with Dave Gettleman, his offseason and this draft, whether it was Judge or him, they work well together. There's good chemistry together. And that at least bought, bought him another season. And I'm okay with that. And at the end of the day, the two of them accomplished what they sought out to do. Compete. Build a roster. Build a team. Build a culture. And continue to progress. And they did, they did exactly that until the very last play. And put themselves in a spot to even win the damn thing. And just think. If Ingram maybe doesn't drop only half his passes, the Giants are in the postseason. But let's not even go down that rabbit hole because you've heard that from me on this show a thousand times. Either way, the Giants are slated to pick 11. And they're going to be in the market for either a wide receiver or a tight end. And hopefully it's either Kyle Pitts or Devontae Smith. And hopefully by that time, Evan Ingram is either thrown overboard, shipped to Madagascar, or shot into the sun. Either. Any of those. But there are decisions to be made. Even with Saquon and Ingram to watch. But Gettleman's decision has been made. We'll see what happens with our OCs. Let's just build a roster. Continue to build a roster. Continue to draft well. And see what we can do in this draft. You want to make the postseason, but you know what? This team has some holes that they need to fill. And it's time to do that this offseason with the draft picks and the the sparing free agency money that we have. But either way, I'm proud. But let's move on. And let's talk about the Jets. The Jets ended the season losing to the New England Patriots 28-14. And... There's almost no need to recap the game because the real storyline was looming before and after as Adam Gase was reportedly to be coaching his last game with the Jets and they stood true to their word. Adam Gase was relieved of his duties after going 9-23 and as a Jets head coach over the last two seasons. He is 32-48 and overall as a head coach from Miami to New York. And look, for listeners of this show, you've known I've seen this disaster coming from the second we started recording. And mainly because Adam Gase was deemed an offensive genius and yet posted up the worst offense in the NFL pretty much every season he coached in the NFL, uh, including the last two years. I mean, they were worst, like actually dead last in total offense, points, scores, and yards per game each of the last two seasons. They were actually second worst in points per game last year, so they were worst this time around. But now the Jets have a chance to get back on track. I mean, good riddance to Adam Gase, and, you know, if it's even possible, maybe they actually make a good decision and figure out what they're going to do with their quarterback and a head coach. And just when you thought it'd be Joe Douglas running the show, here comes Woody Johnson returning from his duties in the UK for the president and will allegedly have the final say on decisions when he returns to this team. And, you know, I think that's a decision that's going to be monitored for sure because that's something I talk about with Benny all the time and I'm going to get his two cents later in the show about it, but... Joe Douglas is a guy I believe in, but if the Johnsons get involved and Woody starts to do things, uh, I mean, it's the same old Jets. That, that's what that sounds like. It's the same old Jets. I believe in Joe Douglas, and I think he's going to do the heavy lifting and work through the weeds and find someone capable of getting this organization back on track. But that's easier said than done. They are the Jets. And so they already put in a request for Patrick Graham, like we talked about, which needs to not happen. And ultimately, I think a guy that we've talked about, me and Benny both, that they should get is Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City. I think he's got to come in and they just let him have full go. And I've said this several times. Look, I don't think Darnold's the issue, but at this point, now that Gase is gone, you bring in a new head coach, especially if it's Bieniemy, they're going to want to draft their own guy. 
whether Lawrence Falls or Fields is the guy, one of those two, I know they don't need another quarterback. There's a million other holes. They should get Sewell. This is just the fact of the matter. This is just what it is. If they are going to bring in an offensive-minded head coach like that, you want to change this offense from being the worst in the league, those are the moves you have to make. Those are the decisions you have to make. And they'll probably kill the next quarterback that they bring there anyways, but they have so many things to figure out that I think the easiest way to look at this situation is bring in a head coach, let him get a quarterback, and start filling needs. Just go with it. And try to get the most you can from Darnold. I mean, aside from the head coach situation, the Darnold situation is must-watch TV. It's a wait-and-see. Darnold was a top-five pick. And someone's going to get him on the low-low if they trade him. I think a team like the Steelers, they don't even have a first-round pick. They don't need to trade a first-round pick. They can't get a quarterback right now unless they wait. But if they buy low and give some back-end picks, they're going to get a franchise quarterback, a former first-round pick quarterback, at a quarter of the price. And the reason I say the Steelers is because of for that reason, they need a quarterback and they don't have any assets to do it. And I don't know if the Jets are smart enough to make a decision like that, nor do they want to give it to an AFC contender. But they got to figure out something. And I think for Jets fans, it's let's take the time, one step at a time, to enjoy the good news of Gates finally being gone. Because for a while, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to leave. You know, you get caught up in the days. It's almost like he's never going to go, but he's gone. So cheers to that. Enjoy, Jets fans. Oh, and Frank Gore might, might come back too. So that's good. That's more good news. He hasn't ruled out his return for next season. So more Frank Gore. More Jets on a, more Frank Gore on the Jets. So that'll be a, that'll be a lot to look forward to next year with Eric Bieniemy as uh, the potential head coach. But look, Bieniemy. It seems like a guy that would want to take over, but there's obviously a billion other candidates out there. I just don't know if Dable would actually, you know, Brian Dable is a guy that every head coaching position is going to look at. He is the OC for the Bills right now. I think the Chargers make the most sense for him. I think he's a guy that could help the Jets, but I'm not sure that it makes sense for him. So a lot of candidates to look forward to. That's my early take on it, but enjoy the time of a gaseless Jets right now. But all right, let's recap this Army game real quick before I get to my conversation here with Benny and we pump out our best bets. But the Black Knights, led by four at half and led by as many as 11 coming out of the half with a touchdown drive, but would allow 14 unanswered points and drop the Liberty Bowl 24-21. to Army battled. Tyre Tyler had three rushing touchdowns. They looked in control. They were in control, but they could not make it happen down the stretch when it mattered most. They had a chance to send this game to overtime with two minutes left and missed a 39-yard game-tying field goal. And that'll pretty much do it for you, the end of the game on an interception, trying to force things downfield. Army ends the season 9-3, and it's not the result you want. They did not win the bowl game, but you know what? A lot has to be said to them adapting to the circumstances, winning the Commander-in-Chief's trophy despite postponements, and on top of that, were able to do it at home, but in the fashion that they did it, you know, tip of the cap, man. And they were ready to go for this bowl game. They were set to not even have one despite having nine wins because teams were opting out for COVID and they adapted and they were ready and adjusted and played the team who was willing to play them and they took on West Virginia and gave it all they got and they didn't win the bowl. But the Black Knights should be proud of their efforts because they ultimately won their Super Bowl in the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. And you want to end the season on a win, but a nine-win season still pretty good, Army fans. And so... With that said, let's end it on a go Army, beat Navy.
And they did just that. And they beat Air Force. So, cheers to the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. We got some time before the spring game starts up for Army. But, nurse that nine-win season. Shout out to Jeff Munker for just being the man as he always is. And a lot to look forward to with Army every season. And so, um, expectations are high going into next year. I have no doubt that they may even touch 10. They may even touch 10 next year. But now I'm going to get you guys ready for my conversation with Benny Ricciardi. Benny is here, of course, as a part of FTN Network and FTN Bets. We'll go through, break down the full first round of the playoffs. Awesome that we've made it to this point. Kind of sad that the regular season's done. A lot less games to talk about, but still, plenty of action to get in on. Again, we've hit the 100-win mark. It's what we were eyeing up. It's why we were betting the entire board, and we were still doing it at a successful rate. We're going to talk about potential line movements, favorable early matchups, and we'll talk about the Jets a little bit. So without further ado, here he is, Benny Ricciardi. All right, so I have the great pleasure of welcoming on Benny Ricciardi um, at Benny R11 for the people just tuning in at home. And now I say that, Benny, because we're trying to switch it up. For anyone who's listening to the normal podcast, is just going to hear our voices and think everything's normal. But we're doing something different today. We're on YouTube. We're streaming. It was a little bit of a New Year's resolution for myself. I wanted to kick myself into gear. So putting out some content. And I figured, you know what? We are pumping out content. We're pumping out winners. Let's let the people see our faces. Let them know what's going on. And so, Benny, I'm happy to have you here as always. I told you before we came on, but we're celebrating our 100th win. We made it to 100 nice. like we talked about last week. Nice. We wanted to get there. Nice. We bet the entire board, went 9-3. and three. Our teasers hit. We ended week 17 very well, and I'm happy about it. How did you do in week 17? How did you finish out the year? And thank you again. For the help on reaching a hundred. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot of action last week. I'm not gonna lie. It was week 17. Half those games, I had things that I just really were not sure of what was going to wind up happening there. And there are going to be better spots for me to put my money. So I didn't have a lot of bets. I had two teasers. They both hit, and I think I had one over that hit, and I had one straight bet that I lost on. Um. But yeah, it was a decent week. Overall, it was a decent week. So I'll walk you through. We definitely had a loser on this show on my behalf. I don't know why I thought the Jets would pull it out. I thought they would. I really, deep down in my bones, because they had covered the 10 against the Browns, I thought they'd cover. They did not. They did not. But the Giants won outright, so that was nice. The Bucks were an easy win for us. Another loser were the Bears. They let us down, but they somehow still made the playoffs. And I don't even know how that's possible. But... The board was a little crazy last week. You had blowouts, and then you had teams just blowing games on purpose, a la the Philadelphia Eagles. We won't get into that too much because I talked about it earlier in the show. Fair enough. But you know what? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because I'd love your take on it, Benny. What did you think about it? Look, I think a lot of people think Giants fans are just crying about it. For me, it's just something that I wouldn't have done it the way he did it. I have no problem if they blew the game. I have no problem if they didn't want to win. They didn't mm-hmm. start people to begin with. But why make the move at the end of the third 
start Sudfeld the way you did and keep your team at a complete disarray and confusion the way he did? Yeah, I mean, my, my guess is, though, that that was the plan from the beginning, which is what I think he said as well, is that that was their plan from the beginning is they wanted to give him at least a quarter. They wanted to see what the kid had because – they got some decisions to make, you know, are we going to keep our backup? If this kid's good enough to be our backup, can we trade away one of the two guys we have in front of them? Cause that's obviously a question right now that they have in Philadelphia. So, you know, I mean, I don't hate the way that it worked out, but here's the other thing that I was saying too, is like, if that is a 24 to three game at the time when they did it, nobody would care. Right. The only reason why it cared is because that game kind of mattered for the playoffs and it was the only game on. So literally, if you're a football fan, at one o'clock, depending where you are in the country, you might have been watching any of five or six different games. Everybody was watching that game because it was Sunday night and it was the only game on at the time. And everybody knew what was on the line for the Giants. And I think that is the, that is the big thing. And also from like a national standpoint, I mean, New York is a huge media market. So obviously this was going to be a story because of the way that it worked out. Philly is a huge media market. So it was obviously going to be the way with those two teams that are even Washington, D.C., who was the other team involved in that, is a big media market. So you knew that it was going to wind up being a big story. But honestly, listen, the way I look at it is if you wanted to make the playoffs, you should have won seven games. You know what I mean? Before you even got to that point. And then you wouldn't have had to worry about what happened at that point. And it sucks to say, but that's the thing. I mean, people are upset that the Giants didn't sneak in at 6-10. and 10. You actually wind up in a better spot now because you're getting what? Like the – eighth or ninth draft pick or so you're getting a much better draft pick than you would if you're a playoff team. So, so we're at 11, Benny, but my okay. thing is, even if it was Dallas, it'd be the same precedent. Look, I get that was the plan the whole time, but you flex it to national TV. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. I wasn't surprised. I'm not surprised because that's just what Philly does. I mean, they don't even care about regular football games, let alone games that mean nothing to them in week 17. So, that that's not my issue. I also have a problem with Washington getting in because I don't feel like they're the better football team. I think Alex Smith is playing hurt and we're going to get to it in a second. They're about to rotate quarterbacks in the postseason, And I think the NFL even, and the reason so much uproar is there, not just because it's a national market, it's because they did it for the purpose of it meaning something. And it did mean something. And Philly yeah. had a chance to win that game. Yeah. That's a very that's had a, very a chance important. to win it. And like, and that's what I mean. If Sudfeld starting from the beginning and then they have a chance to win or whatever, I'd, I'd live with it. And if he started and they had no chance to win, then they had no chance to win, but to just make the moves they made, go for it on fourth and then pull hurts. And like, that's your rookie franchise quarterback or should be, it's just a bad precedent to set, but let's move. I, I like the way you said that though. You said your rookie franchise quarterback, like Wentz is already gone. He is. He's done. He's and, and you know what? I want to I want to move on from the Eagles, but he's done. You want to know why? Because this is what Philly does as well. And I talked about it early in the show. Their best players, their franchise players. Look back to To. Look back mm-hmm. to Donovan. Look back to Selleck. Look back to all of them. They do them dirty. They do them dirty, and they run them out of town. Jason Peters didn't want to be there. They did him dirty, and he's there. Ertz is about to get shipped out. I mean, it's an endless list of players that. They, they have the opportunity to do something with them and they just don't. And, and I think for the Eagles sanity, they have to get rid of Wentz because they're like $80 million under the cap. So if they don't 
and they have Hurts, I have no idea what they're doing. I so think they have think to get rid of Wentz. You think they're going to cut him? Because somehow, some way, they got to get that money off of the books. And if they cut him, they're still going to owe him a lot. I mean, they'll save some, but they're still going to owe him a lot of money. And they're going to have to trade him, though. Yeah, they're going to have to trade that's him. That's what I'm saying. Who wants to trade for that contract? Who's going to – because I think he still has, what, two years left on it? Is it more than that? I, th- I think it's more than that. Yeah, I think it's about. Well, then again, who's going to trade for a quarterback that's long, long? You're basically trading for your long-term quarterback. This is the same problem I have. Like, see, with Sam Darnold with the Jets, you're trading for a guy who's really on like the last year or so of his rookie deal, and you'd have to decide whether or not you want to resign him. Who the fuck is going to trade for Carson Wentz though? If you got to pick up all that money all those years, and like I said, the only thing they can do is cut him to save some money, but they're still going to have a bunch of dead cap. It's just, it's a crappy situation. Like, honestly, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is their answer. I really, like, again, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Like, Wentz could still be the starting quarterback there next year. Remember, if they have a better line, like, I don't know. Again, I don't think Carson Wentz is great, but I don't, you you Giant fans think he, like, sucks, sucks. Like, I'm a Jets fan. I've seen sucky quarterback play. Like, there (laughs) there is much worse than Carson Wentz. He's no Patrick Mahomes, but he's not the worst quarterback in the league either. But it's like, I, if that's how they truly feel, why were all the decisions made? And if Doug's coming back and everything's staying the same, why do what they're doing this year? Why? And I know maybe it's a wasted year, but like Philly should have won the division. Injuries and everything aside, it just makes no sense to me that if Wentz is your franchise guy to handle it the way they did. But you know what? I guess, I guess I'm giving Philly too much credit. And maybe they do give you know Wentz another shot and just – you know, burn their franchise up for just another year. But it is what it is. Let's talk about the Jets before we get into these picks. Shit, do we have to? Benny, yeah, <laughs> have to. Because officially, Patrick Graham, uh, I touched on it earlier in the episode. We needed him to not go to the Jets. And thank God that did not happen because he re-signed with the Giants and the band is back together, which is awesome. But now the Jets, that was, from what I knew, the only request they put out. So... What's the next move? I know you want the enemy. And, and oh, yeah. this is a two-parter. This is a two-parter. Because especially, yeah. and we can talk about it just as the enemy, because this is what I talked about early in the episode. But if they do bring Eric the enemy here, you got to get a new quarterback, no? No, dude. I, Sam, Darnold, Sam Darnold is not the problem. Sam Darnold, I know. Is only, he's only like 23 or 24 years old, too. So he's basically, he's basically a guy who has a couple years of NFL experience that is about as old as some of the kids that are going to get drafted this year anyway. So I don't think that that is, I don't think you're like, you don't give up on a 24 year old kid who was a top pick. You know what I mean? And it's not like he sucked. Like if he has absolutely sucked, if he Dwayne Haskins it, okay, fine. You get rid of him, but he's been, he's shown some spurts of being good. So I don't think that's the problem. Here's really what it comes down to to me. I want to see them trade back. And I love the fact that fields played so well. I hope he plays great in the national championship game too because that'll just make that a more valuable pick for somebody to come up. I would like to see the Jets do exactly what they did with Indianapolis in order for Indianapolis to build the team that they have. The Jets traded up to get Sam Darnold and he traded back. They built an offensive line. They picked up a couple other pieces. That's the smart way to build a franchise. Cause if you're the Jets right now, like I don't, even if it was Trevor Lawrence, like that's not going to change the fact that there are so many holes on this team, like one guy is not going to fix it. So to me, trade back, get a bunch of picks, you know, draft a bunch of guys, 
you could get guys in the third, fourth round that would be started for this Jets team because there's just not that much talent. I mean, that's probably the best bet. I think you're right. Trade back is probably the move. If not, you just settle. I mean, because look, I think the Jets are more reluctant to do it. The Giants were in the same spot last year. It's kind of like you can capitalize on the spot you're in, but you don't necessarily just need that, you know, that piece that you'll get there. So trading back makes a lot of sense. I just feel like if they ended up getting the enemy, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to get fields and somehow trade Darnold. But we've talked about this a billion times. What do you, all right, so let me ask you this question. I mean, we talked about yeah. trading went right. And yeah. like, the thing I think a lot of people don't understand is, you know, I play Madden, right? You play Madden. You can make some, you can make some crazy trades in that Madden franchise mode. That would never happen in real life. You know, like you could be like, oh yeah, I'd definitely take Carson Wentz. Like there are very few teams that are going to take on that salary. The thing with Sam Darnold is he's very easy to trade, but you're not going to get anywhere near the value for him. And that's the problem. Like, what do you get for Sam Darnold? Maybe a second would be like, like, I think that would be your wet dream as a Jets fan is we get a second form. But I don't even know if I don't even know if you would get that. Like people that are saying trade Darnold for two first. I'm like, are you guys fucking kidding me? Like that would never, ever happen. Like nobody's giving up a first for Sam Darnold. Like I said, maybe you get a second. It's probably not a high second. You're probably talking like 50, 60, somewhere around there. And I don't even know if you would get that. So my biggest problem is if you took the draft capital of getting this guy with a top five pick, you know, again, he had the mono season. He had some injuries this season. Have we even really seen enough to say, yeah, it's time to move on? Like, again, I'm not saying I love Sam Darnold, but yeah. I don't think he's the worst quarterback either, and he's still young. So I'm not ready to give up on him. I really I really do not want to see the Jets take quarterback, which means they're probably going to wind up taking a quarterback. Yeah, a thousand percent. See, I'm thinking in my head now, too. I think worst case is what? Maybe they do draft a quarterback and keep Sam – and then you have them both and they do the whole, you start Sam and see what happens and maybe you ease him into the system. I just think it's something you see happen often. Once you get the new head coach, I thought Gase was staying. I did. I was a firm believer Gase was going to stay. So I thought Sam no would way. stay too. No but, but by the way, congratulations on that. I didn't, I didn't talk to you about it, but honestly, I've never been happier in my entire life. Like, sorry, my, my wife's in the other room. So I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but legitimately I'm, I'm so happy that that Gase is gone here. But like, here's, you know, like, here's the thing. Like you look at when Alex Smith was in Kansas city and they went and they got Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith started that whole year and Mahomes sat behind him. Right. Like that would be a situation because if you go get somebody and you still have Darnold, like that's the situation we're talking about here. Right. Mm. When Kansas city did that, they had all the other things in place. They already had wide receivers and a tight end and a good line and defensive pieces and stuff like that. So, like, Mahomes was the final piece. And now you have a superstar quarterback who was on his rookie deal and you're able to add the pieces around him that you need and spend up for the left tackle to protect him and go get the, you know, cornerback that you got to spend $15 million for. That's a lockdown guy. That's how you build a championship team. You don't go get your quarterback of the future, though, when you still have holes on your offensive line, when your linebacking core, which hopefully all these guys come back from COVID – so the linebacking core will get a big boost for the Jets, but you still need more. So maybe some outside guys that can actually get to the quarterback or you still need better corners for them on that team. There's so many other holes that you need to fill that going and getting the quarterback and waiting for the future. It just doesn't make any sense right now. Like to me, I hope that Sam Darnold doesn't have a great year and I hope that they can resign him on a decent number. And then you got money to spend to go get the pieces to put around them. If he goes out there and plays like a stud this year, 
you know, there's a good chance he's going to walk because they're not going to be able to pay him or they're not going to want to pay him that kind of money if they're rebuilding. So I don't know. Like, honestly, it sucks to be a Jet fan. There are so many bad things right now that there isn't much to really look forward to. Well, so Beckton looks really good. Speaking of left tackles, Beckton looks really good. I'm worried his biggest issue is always going to be staying on the field. I think it's health with him. And 100%. Yeah, and you're, you're right. You're not going to be able to get the max value for Sam. You're not. And that's the situation they've been in, though, since his stock has been dropping. And it's tough. It's definitely a, a lose-lose situation. But you can figure it out. Oh, I forgot. Wait, I forgot. I didn't bring this part up because you talked about this last week and I didn't realize it initially. You're like, oh, the new year, new president. What does that mean for the Jets? Well, Woody Johnson's coming back into the picture. And the reports are that apparently as much as Joe Douglas is running the show, is that Woody's going to have the final say on all the decisions this offseason. I mean, that's got to be pretty concerning. No, and this guy's had no pulse on this team to begin with. As much as it looks like the Jets could change, Things just might fucking stay the same. Dude, Woody Johnson has been fucking trolling me my entire life. All right. <laughs> and I'm not, I, not even just with the Jets, right? Like the year, the year I went, I went to the University of Delaware for college. You know that, right? Like the year before I got there was when they were, it was like the number one party school in the country. The year I got there, he donated like $25 million to the school to like, clean up the school's image it was like dude you fucking dick like you're you know whatever and then all the shit that he's done from the jets all, all along the way this entire time as well like i hate fucking if i ever meet woody johnson i'm punching right in the fucking face Honestly, you've never used a johnson and johnson product in your life don't like it don't want it don't give it to kids no johnson and johnson i did hear they're developing a vaccine though that's way down the rabbit hole let's not even absolutely, go down we'll absolutely take that if that comes along though we'll make up let <laughs> me get out of my fucking house here all right, let's get to football. Let's get to the brass tacks. As we've told the people and the people know now, 63%. Really awesome. I'm really proud of that. I think we had that an awesome season. But the grind don't stop, and neither do the winners. And I, I, I plan on continuing to pump out winners for the viewers at home and the listeners at home. So let's just do just that. And we're starting with the matchup here on Saturday that, quite frankly, I'm terrified about. I've told you I have a futures bet on this team. I love them. I want to give Josh Allen the MVP. I, I want to do the world. If I could give the Bills my left arm, I would, but I can't. And to be honest, they kind of shot themselves in the foot here. They demolished Miami last week. Miami fell out of the playoff picture. And ultimately what happens is, to me, I think this is the worst possible matchup they could have. We've talked about this week in and week out. How do you beat the Bills? You run the damn ball. Mm-hmm. who's better than Indy right now running the damn ball and Jonathan Taylor. Indy comes in six and a half point underdogs on the road. Buffalo will be able to have Bill's mafia there. They're going to have some fans. That's some great. Partial, partial Bill's mafia, not the whole mafia. There will be tables broken. There, that, oh, that's for that, sure. That, there will be yeah. tables broken. I love Bill's fans, man. Yeah. Over-under is at 51 plus 245 on the money line for the Colts. Look, I'm not willing to dive and fade myself to the point where I'm going against my Super Bowl pick in the Buffalo Bills. But I'm terrified. And I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people think. And if not, the Bills lose. What do the numbers tell you in this game? Where did these two teams finish up for you? And do you have an early lean on this? Yeah, so let's do a couple things first. So first off, the numbers here. I have Buffalo by – I have Buffalo a field goal better on a neutral field. They're at home. They got some fans there. So my number is minus four and a half. This opened at seven and a half. 
And as soon as it opened at seven and a half, I said to people, oh, you got to take Indy right now. Like that's the, se- the plus seven and a half with Indy right now is the number to be on. And that's what happened. And it's now moved down to minus six and a half right here. You probably know what I'm going to say on this. It's like right now, I, I think this could even come down a little bit further. Like I said, this, this number was too high. My number is four and a half. This is a, a game that I'm going to tease because I do not think Indianapolis wins. But I agree with you that this is not going to be a game that Buffalo blows out by two or three touchdowns like they have been recently. This is going to be a very close game. I think it's going to wind up like, I would say low scoring too. I think 52 is the total. I want under that. I want like, I want like maybe, you know, 24, 20 or something like that. There's going to be some field goals. Like, you know, I think this is going to be a a bad game where I'm not going to have a lot of exposure for DFS. Although shout out to Josh Allen for being the highest scoring player in daily fantasy for the 2000 uh, won, won me multiple fantasy leagues i didn't know that but i assumed he just I, I, yeah he he was the number well on DraftKings at least with the bonus and all that i don't know it's yeah. probably fandle too but i i gotta double check on that but DraftKings actually mentioned today that he is the uh the highest scoring daily fantasy player on the season so shout out to josh allen for that and i had a lot of him too on daily rosters and even in best balls so Definitely, uh, definitely. I'm still working on, I I'm, I'm in Photoshop. I'm trying to develop that trophy. I told you the people's champion trophy. I'm trying Mm. to give him the people's MVP. It's not easy to get a gold plated table onto a trophy mount, but we're working on it. A few stats I wanted to touch on here about the Colts defense and what the bills are not good at against the run. So the Colts rush defense is actually second best in the league. 90 and a half rush yards per game. I think as much as Josh Allen's aired the ball out, and he's been great this season. He still feeds off play action, and they need to try to get that run game going. But against the Colts, it's really hard to do that. Meanwhile, the Bills allow nearly 120 rush yards per game. That's about middle of the pack in the NFL. The biggest thing, though, for me is if they do want to attack them through the air, it's pretty much even between these two defenses. As much as I respect this Bills secondary, they allow 233 pass yards per game. The Colts are right behind at around 240, 241. So, I mean, it's not drastic. And look, the reason I say this, that the way to build uh, beat the Bills is to run the ball, is that the three losses that they had, and yes, only three losses, and they were against solid teams, except for the Cards, who now didn't make the playoffs. Um, but they're still solid. I mean, they finished eight and eight. That's It's not like they lost to – it's not like they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, yes. you know, like Indianapolis did. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But then, so the Titans had 139 rushing yards. The Chiefs, 245, crushed it. Clyde's best rushing day of the season. The Cards had 217 and still won by a Hail Mary. I'm just worried. And, and I think you're right. I don't have the the cojones to just sack up and bet against my futures. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. But but I'm, I'm terrified. And I, I maybe I treat this like a hedge. And then I also tease down the bills and kind of just like, play both sides a little bit here just so I can make sure I, I string my futures bet along here, but I love the bills. Yeah. I, I love the bills to win this outright, especially at home with even half a bills mafia, but six and a half is it's a lot of points. It's a lot of points in a game that I think could be really close. If the Colts manage it well, and look, this reminds me of a game last year, the Colts played different teams, different teams, but the Colts went on the road against Kansas city a game that had no business winning. Marlon Mack just had a freaking day and they ended up winning at the wire. It's not going to be pretty. I think you're right. Maybe the unders the play here, but give me Colts six and a half. And I, I, I want the bills to win. I need to make sure I have that on record. I want the bills to win, but I'm taking the Colts six and a half. We're starting with a dog. You got to start with a dog. I have some like favorites. I, said, I, 
I got this at the open at seven and a half. So I'm very happy with that. And I'm teasing yeah. it down here from six and a half to half a point. So really what I need is Buffalo to win by a touchdown or less. And I'm hitting, I'm hitting both sides. Both sides. And I'm getting the teaser. So that's what I'm going to be rooting for this week. And just to confirm, obviously we have a big betonline.ag thing here on the live stream for the people at home. They know all these lines are from betonline.ag, but that's where we're getting these. Whenever we can, we try to feed it off DraftKings. But for the most part, if our lines seem different and maybe it's even at seven for all we know at this point, this is from betonline.ag. So Check that out. Let's move on to the 4 p.m. games. And <laughs> this is pretty much just an NFC West divisional matchup. I, it's not sexy by any means. I'm not really sure where the Rams are at in terms of quarterbacks, but the Rams enter on the road as four-point uh, four dogs against the Seattle Seahawks, plus 180 on the money line. Over-under is at 42 and a half. Is Jared Goff's thumb okay? Probably not. No. Seattle... I mean, they almost lost last week against San Francisco. It was an ugly game. I don't know what to think of the Seahawks. I was this close to, like, putting a futures on them, and I just can't believe in their defense. And I don't know what to expect out of this offense. They're so inconsistent. Betty, what does the numbers tell you here? Um, Is obviously golf or not golf is going to affect that line, but has it moved at all because of that? It has, and well, here's let's let's start here, right? On a neutral field, I have Seattle as about one and a half points better, right around one and a half home field advantage. My number is Seattle with the field goal here. Now that is with Jared Goff, a health. I shouldn't even say with Jared Goff, with a healthy Jared Goff in there, based on the raw numbers, right? So now, at that point, now I have to make an adjustment. With Wolford as the quarterback, I would adjust them down about three points in my power ratings which would mean that the number should be minus six, at least according to my numbers with the way everything has. So when I first saw the four and a half, the, the first thing that hopped in my mind is, hmm, maybe the books did the same thing where they said, if Goff plays, it's three. If Wolford plays, it's six. We have no idea which one of those two is going to be the quarterback right now. So we're going to put the number somewhere between there because they don't often open numbers in – La La Land like this. Four yeah, no five, like in the middle not the postseason. Right. Like this, this is just, it doesn't make sense. So what it really means to me is that this is kind of a hedge between those two. Because if you put it at three and Wolford's the quarterback, people are going to hammer the shit out of that three and take, and take Seattle and just lay the points. If you put it up at six saying, you know, well, Wolford's the quarterback there, people are going to be coming in on the other side. And if golf plays, and even the thing with this Wolford kid, like, the Rams still have a good defense, so this could still be a low-scoring game. Like, they played twice this year. I think it was 23-16 and 20-9. So there were, 20, there were less than 30 points in one game, less than 40 points in the other. It's not like there's going to be a ton of points in this game. So if you have a number at six in a game that only has a total of, like, 42, that's a sizable number. You know what I mean? So I think, I think this is just kind of where they settled on this number. But to me, I mean, Seattle's the side I want to be on if it's four. Thousand percent, thousand percent. I I love Seattle, but I almost like them too much, which is why I'm hesitant. I mm. I respect the shit out of the Rams, D man. I do. I, I respect the shit out of them to the point that they have Aaron Donald. They're playoff proven. Jalen Ramsey has been playing out of his freaking mind this entire season. I think I saw a stat today that he finished a year allowing like 20 reception yards per game. If he's on DK, I don't know what their head-to-head numbers are, but that's obviously an issue, especially for Russell Wilson in this offense. So. 
you know, I, I'm just I'm, I'm treading lightly here. I, I like Seattle a lot. I'd love if this came down to three. Probably won't. But at the same time, if Wolford's playing, I almost want to take it at four. So this way I feel Seattle wins by a touchdown. I'm good here. It, it, it The four rubs me the wrong way. It rubs me the wrong way, and I feel like it's not going to look good for a really long time in this game, and then fourth quarter is going to come and Seattle is going to start to take over this game, especially with them having home field. Um, I'll go with Seattle. I'll go with Seattle minus four here just for the sake of the show. Uh, I can't buy the under. I want to. That's where I'm leaning towards. 42 and a half is low, though. That is that is not a lot of points. I know we're playing playoff football, though. 29 and 39 were the other two. And that was with Jared Goff. And I don't care what people are trying to tell me about, well, Wolford gives them a different dimension because he can move and blah, blah, blah. He's not better than Jared Goff. He's not. And I, and I don't like Jared Goff. I'm not saying Jared Goff is like a great quarterback, but he's, he's better than, than, than Wolford. Like Wolford. You opened the game with an interception. I don't know if you saw that. His first pass of the game was, was a pick into the red zone for the Cardinals. I have no idea how the Cards lost that game. That's another example. Even, you know, we, we talked about, Philly, Philly and the Giants with the Cowboys on like how Washington ended up getting in. I don't think the best team won that, at least for the postseason. Like, I think that's my issue. I love the Rams D. I think the cards would have obviously given Seattle a better matchup based on the two meetings that they had, but it is what it is. We'll continue to roll here. Also, remember when everyone was hyped on the Russell Wilson MVP train? Wonder where, wonder, wonder where all those, I wonder where all those people went. It got, got real quiet. Uh, got really quiet. Um, let's move on. And the nightcap here is the 815 game. And this is the team we had been talking about for a while here. We have Washington at home representing the NFC Beast as eight point dogs plus 330 on the money line. Over under is 45. I know Tom is supposed to like playing in the cold. I get that. I do. I know he's he's been in New England for some time, but he does have that Tampa tan. And this is over a touchdown. I think what I'm holding my hat on, though, is that Ron Rivera came out today and said they might start rotating quarterbacks. The Bucks D is way too good. I know everyone talks about Washington's D, and the Bucks D has not played great lately. Bucks D is way too good for this shit. They should win this game at least by 10 points in my eyes with that number at eight. I'm going to take uh, the Bucks, and I don't want to seem too overconfident because maybe Washington at home and that defense will keep it close and keep it within a touchdown, and I'll eat my words on this eight because – that happens a lot on this show. For anyone just tuning in, that happens a lot. I feel too confident. I say, fuck the number. It doesn't matter. And the number matters. <laughs> but I think they should win by at least 10 points here. And look, I know they might not be without, uh, they might be without Mike Evans or they should be without Mike Evans. No, uh, Two quarterbacks mean you have no quarterback. I can't believe in Washington here. And Chase Young calling out Tom Brady. What are we doing? What are we doing? Jeez. You better have a hell of a game right now. Because, yeah. Come on, dude. <laughs> Benny, what do the numbers tell you here? Where did Tampa finish off? Where's Washington at with or without Alex Smith? Can you give me anything to provide some clarity on this game? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you're too far off in your thinking because neutral field, I have this as now this is neutral field with healthy Alex Smith. I have this as over eight points, Tampa Bay. Should be should be favored by home field advantage for Washington at seven and nine or whatever the hell their final record was. Um, so maybe you get this down to like a touchdown or so. Now again, this is touchdown with healthy Alex Smith. With Alex Smith as quarterback, which a, a lot of people haven't given them credit for, 
they were averaging about 28 points a game. Without Alex Smith as quarterback, they were averaging 18 points a game. I didn't factor in week 17 because I, you know, this is a stat from week 16 that I that I had. I don't really give a shit about week 17. But basically, you know, they're a much better offense when Alex Smith is out there playing. If he can't go though, like I don't even know how how low I would have to have. Taylor Heineken or whatever the hell his last name is. I love it. I was waiting for you to continue to say Heineken. I was like, if you change this week, I would. Uh, I, been- yeah, I say it every week when we talk about this guy. We got to keep it. I mean, like, again, with – I upgraded from Haskins to Alex Smith. I upgraded my number on Washington by about three points. And we talked about Washington. We won a couple straight up, um, you know, bets with them as as dogs on the, on the money line. Mm-hmm. But the more I think about it now, it's like – like, I mean, I can't imagine that Taylor Heineke is better. Heineken is better than, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins. And I and Dwayne Haskins wasn't good at all. So, like, if he – if Alex Smith can't play and they have to use this kid or if he's hurt enough that they're legitimately going to use this kid as a quarterback here, this should be 10 points or more easy. So, eight and a half is kind of a bargain if you're looking at it through that lens. Now, healthy Alex Smith – I would think this game should be a touchdown and that's too, a few too many points. Not enough to, to let me bet on it, but that's that's where my number would be. If we had to pick one for the show, I would have said, well, give me Washington then because I still expect them to lose, just not by eight and a half, which is why this is the other leg of the teaser I like a lot here. I was about to mention it. I'm glad you said that. Obviously. We're through the seven, through the three. This is exactly what we've been talking about. I was going to say best way to play this maybe, bring it with the Bills. Bring it, through, bring it with the there's bills. Teaser, there's a teaser for the week. For all of you who are FTN bet subscribers out there, that was the teaser I put up already this week. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. FTN bets. Check out FTN Network. Benny puts out great stuff. Even for basketball, you said you were going to check out basketball a lot while we were on here. You haven't done it too much. At least I haven't noticed. So I give you credit for that. Well, but you I know like what it is? is I, bet, I bet a lot of stuff on the Brooklyn Nets, and they completely changed their entire starting lineup that we were expecting them to start. And um, because I was on the live stream for, for FTN Daily right before the game started, I didn't have time to, like, hedge those bets or anything. So, basically, I'm letting it ride with a bunch of guys who I thought were starting that aren't starting at <laughs> some of my prop bets. So, I don't know. Hopefully, Joe Harris is hitting everything he throws up in the second half. We'll see. So, I do want to tell the people at home, though, for those of you who haven't listened to us place these teasers before, this is my safest bet every week. I think I lost on the year with, with as good of a year as we had probably three weeks I really didn't hit my teasers, but they're my guarantee to get money back. Even if I'm chasing crazy parlays and it's not the best way to play, it's not the most efficient way. I always put together those teasers and they're the best way to do it. They, they really are. I think it's the best bang for your buck. And of course you got to shop your options and make sure you're getting the most money for it. But again, come playoff time, you feel really good about two teams and, and especially a week like this where you have like a team, even like the bears where you're like, how do they even make the postseason? You know, don't hesitate to go with what you're confident with, but that wraps up Saturday. So let's move over to Sunday and we'll get to the bears in a second, but we got a revenge game here. This is a big time revenge game. Rams, uh, Rams, Ravens minus three favorites on the road against Tennessee. Tennessee is plus 100 on the money line over under is at 54 and a half. I don't understand this line. And I don't even want to go into the analysis of it yet. I need you to make it make sense for me. I, I understand when you look at the numbers and it, it changes things, but Tennessee won last year. 
<laughs> Tennessee won. And not only did they win, they embarrassed them. So what am I missing? Why are they home underdogs against the Ravens? Well, basically because the Ravens have won five games in a row, even though it hasn't been the greatest competition there. Um, and the other reason, because the Tennessee defense can't stop anybody. That's really what it is. That's what it comes down to. The Tennessee offense is really good. Baltimore's offense is solid. I'm not going to say really, really good. Like last year, they were, they were a dynamic offense that you were like, my God, how do you stop them? This year, they've been good. And lately, they've been very good, looking more like they did last year. But overall here, like, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, Tennessee's defense is that bad that they can't stop anybody. But, I mean, again, just straight on the numbers before we even get into, like, where I think this game should be. You know, plus 100 on Tennessee. Like, I think this line this line opened a little higher than three. It was like three and a half. And it's now down to three. Like, we're moving to the point where this game is – I mean, I think it's basically a coin toss, these two teams. I, I think I actually thought the three and a half was way too big, and I still think the three is a little too big. You know, my, my number on this game, Steve, I got one and a half. Ravens favored by one and a half. So when I saw three and a half, I was like, you know what? Tennessee at three and a half, that's the bet right now. At three, I don't know if I'd do it. I would probably wait. Um, again, if you want to take Tennessee on the money line even at plus 100, I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those games where both teams on the money line are like minus 105, minus 115, or minus 110, minus 110. Something along. This is going to be one of those games where it's a, it's a legit coin flip. I do think Baltimore should be favored, but I would not be shocked if Tennessee beats them at all. Now, what are your thoughts on the over then? Now, I feel like I felt really good about a lot of these unders. Oh, I also didn't touch on. I did bet the under of 45 uh, in that Bucks uh, redskins game already, or the, the foreskins or the football team, whatever you want to call them. Um, I bet that under a 45 actually a little while ago, just because I think, you know, Alex Smith or no Alex Smith, even if the defenses show out, um, I just don't see a lot of points being scored there, but the over, I, I felt really good about the first three unders. And now I want to go to an over. I mean, we talk about Tennessee's terrible defense. The Ravens offense has come together. Now I do think though, the way to capitalize against the Titans struggling defense is to pass the ball. <laughs> I mean, Lamar is going to have to pass the ball. I mean, that's, that is his biggest knock so far in his career. So where are you at on that? I, I feel like Derrick Henry is coming off a, a CJ2K season here. Um, 2,000 yards rushing here for the Titans. I mean, it seems like there's no stopping him right now, and he's going to get his. Ryan Tannehill is playing out of his mind. He's going to get his. I feel confident about the Titans, but a part of me is like, if the Ravens do keep this close, how does that over not hit? I mean, how does that overnight hit? So depending on what you got the numbers at, the Ravens were either 12-3-1 or 13-3 and to the over this season. So they were either the best, you know, one of the top two teams. I think the Raiders were right up there with them. I don't remember. I didn't look at the numbers for week 17 because at this point. I don't the Raiders care. were really good at home against the over. Yeah. That I knew. Yeah, so those two, those two teams were two of the teams that played to the over. And the reason for it with both teams is exactly the same. These are very good dynamic offenses and really, really bad defenses. So all their games just wind up as shootouts. So I have no, like, and that's the thing is their offense is good enough to score on anybody Mm -hmm. and their defense is bad enough to let anybody score on them. So it really just comes down to in games that Tennessee plays, like who has the ball at the end, who made the two or three plays in the fourth quarter that changed the game. Was it them or was it the other team? Because whoever has the ball on offense is pretty much going to score. And that's kind of the way I look at it. Like, 
I know the Ravens' defense is pretty good, but Tennessee's offense is dynamic, and they can attack you from so many ways. They have two good wide receivers. They have a good tight end. They have good running backs. Like, the entire team is good. The, the offensive line is good. Corey like, Davis is going to get paid at the end of the year, and I don't think he should. Like, he's had a great year, and he should get paid because of how the structure of the NFL works and, like, you know, you oh, have a great contract here. He's going to get his, but – He's that's a just, you know, I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on Corey Davis. I know he's a first round pick. You know, I he's saw him at a he's a twenty. He's a twenty five year old kid that was a top five pick, I think. So like, what, you know, the, really really high. Yeah, he was the first wide receiver off the board in that draft, and I'm pretty sure it was it was definitely top ten, but I think it was even top five. And like, that's the thing is like, there's the kid's got a pedigree, and it's not like this is a surprise. You know, when you have some guy that went undrafted, when you have Victor Cruz come on the scene and start blowing it up, you're like, oh, my God, like, where did this kid come from? Like, Corey Davis is not a surprise. Like, people have been waiting for this for a while. Marcus Mariota just sucked. Now that Tannehill's there, I mean, he wound up behind A.J. Brown, who's like a – A.J. Brown's like a legit, like, transcendent-type receiver. So, you know, he's just – Corey Davis hadn't had his chance to shine until Brown kind of got injured this year. He picked it up. John Smith was injured. Like, Corey Davis is good, man. Corey Davis is going to is gonna wind up being like Robbie Anderson where people are like talking shit about him like you are right now. And he's going to go sign somewhere else for two years and 20 million. And he's going to have a big season. And people are I'm gonna be saying like, this because yeah. the Giants need a receiver and I need them to not sign Corey Davis because that is not our answer. Corey Davis is not the answer to what problem. The free so the Jets need receivers and I would be fine with the Jets signing Corey Davis. Wow. Okay. Corey Davis is good, dude. Okay. All right. No, I, I like to hear that. I, like I would have Anderson. rather had Robbie Anderson stay, but yeah, Corey Davis is. I, I would like rather Robbie Davis. Anderson than Corey Davis as well. But Corey Davis has played big time, but uh, it's funny. Some people view him better than A.J. Brown sometimes on this team. I think PFF. No, 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 no. no. That, no, no, no. You will never hear me say that. No, no, no. That's numbers. Yeah, no. No, no, no. You know something, and I think since the time we started this, when we said that D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown were both receivers of their own, when we were trying to compare them to people, it's like you can't. They've just tra- transcended the NFL uh, wide receiver position. Well, AJ, honestly, AJ Brown reminds me of Thoreau's. Really? Yeah, that's because he can run by you or he can run over you. That's a good comparison. I could see I that. So. I mean, again, nobody you know, is. While, exactly while we're on it, you know, I want to give a that's shout out to Justin Jefferson. We don't we don't talk about the Vikings enough, but Justin Jefferson, surprisingly, for a lot of people. Um, not for me. I'm talking about strictly Eagles fans who decided to take Jalen Rieger over Justin Jefferson. Uh, surprising to some people, not most. Um, Justin Jefferson, breaking Randy Moss's records, finished top five in receiving. The guy wasn't even the team's number one, and he came on late. I, I mean. The fairest, trade in, the fairest trade in NFL history. This was basically Stephon Diggs. The pick with Stephon Diggs was the Justin Jefferson. So it was basically Stephon Diggs for Justin Jefferson. There is not a single person who's upset about how that worked no out one. on either side of the trade. It is the no. fairest trade in history. Buffalo and Minnesota fans are going to be friends <laughs> forever. They're like, hey, you know, we don't care about that pick. We got something. You want to give us Dalvin like, Cook and we'll trade you a pick and you can draft yeah. a running back? Like, they're, they're, yeah, they're honestly, nobody, that was the fairest trade in NFL history. Nobody is upset about the way that worked out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Stefan Diggs. I mean, we talk about Josh Allen. Stefan Diggs does not get enough love. Still. <laughs> Still, Dude, I love, I love, had this he had and still doesn't get enough love. It's crazy. When he was in college, I think he went to Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. And, and I bet on him a bunch of times when he was in college. I bet on Maryland, not bet on him, but I bet on Maryland. So I like watched this guy play. And I remember being like, damn, this guy's like 
legit. Like this, you know, this guy's going to be an NFL wide receiver. And when he came out, he started dropping because basically Maryland was like a, was like an option offense, like old school, like army Navy type football. Yep. And, and they never really used them, but they found they were only like known for their ball. uniforms, Betty. Maryland was known for their obnoxious. Well, you, know, you know why that is, right? Like the guy, um, the guy who started Under Armour is a uh, University of Maryland grad and Under Armour is right down there. That's why. Yeah. Like, you know how, you know how Oregon has well, Nike? Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, know the same thing. Yeah. The Under, Under Armour is right down there. And I think the guys, the guys that started the company or the guys that are like running the company are a bunch of like, you know, former like Maryland students and Maryland football players and stuff like that. So they give a lot back to like that community down there, which is pretty cool. I, I like the fact that they do that. That's pretty cool. But yeah, that's why Maryland's uniform because it's, they're like the Oregon for Under Armour, the way Oregon is the Oregon for Nike. If that makes sense to anybody, people who know, know, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. If you know, if you know. You know um, exactly. Diggs completely under the radar no it just gets me excited too with Jeff- justin jefferson i was high on justin jefferson i'm waiting to see what happens with jamar chase Devontae smith just won the heisman trophy jamar chase preseason was going to be the first wide receiver taken in the draft without a doubt does that still happen will it come down to the combine i mean we'll see i, I don't know what it'll take i to be the first wide receiver, I mean, and Desmond Howard wasn't even a true wide receiver. He's the first since Desmond Howard, and that was his list of positions. Desmond Howard w- was was a defensive back. He wasn't even a wide receiver. So Devontae Smith, granted in the short season, did what he did. And, uh, you know, I knew how talented he was, and he was someone I was eyeing for the Giants at one point in time. I don't know if they'll even be able to get him at 11 anymore. I mean, you win the Heisman, you're going to draw some eyes to yourself. So we'll see how that goes. Let's Unless move to the quarterback, and then you're going to drop four rounds like most of them did. Yeah. Hey, that's a good point. That's a very good point. The Heisman's normally a quarterback uh, trophy anyways. That's what it is. You know, that's why people don't look at it that way. Dude, MVP, I, it's one of the things I hate about football is that quarterbacks get so much of the credit. Like, and, and again, I'm not saying that like hating on quarterbacks, but mm-hmm. you talk about like rookie of the year award, like Justin Jefferson might not win rookie of the year. Cause you know, people are like, Oh, Justin Herbert had such a great year. It, 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 like quarterbacks just get MVPs, they get rookie of the years, they get Heisman's. Like, you know, if you want to be rich, be a quarterback and be good about it. You want to know what's crazy? And I want to talk about Jalen Hurts real quick, too, because like he's a guy who got completely swept under the rug, no mm-hmm. one gave a shit about, fell in the draft. Shout out to the Eagles for actually taking him as early as they did because he was supposed to go in the third, won national championships in Bama, got sat for Tua, okay, and then. Went to Oklahoma, still made the playoff. It was a Heisman nominee and just no one gave a shit. And it's because of that reason. I I feel like it's nuts too. And you see it with running backs all the time. There's a stigma in the draft. And you'll see it this year with, with the guys who come out from wide receiver too. DK fell for that reason. They just size you up come draft time, come combat, uh, come combine time. And there's a certain quota and intangible like list that they have. You're 40 time. Like look at rugs. Rugs went first this year. It's it's crazy. But, but again, you can't. That's there. There was one person in the world who had Henry Ruggs as the number one wide receiver. And it Two was people actually, because Adam Gase also had him. Uh, Adam Gase. I promise you. I promise you. Adam Gase would have taken. Henry Ruggs, he would have, he would have, I know it. They were one pick away. They were one pick away. Oh man, that would have been bad. 
It would have I been lost that. a lot of money on that because I didn't think there was any way that the order wasn't going to be either Judy Lamb Rugs or yep. Rugs Lamb Judy because I thought they were both way better wide receivers than Henry Rugs. I well, for me, it was Lamb Judy Jefferson, and then I but I knew I knew deep down those forty time guys always go way higher than they should go, always, and that's why. Hey, you know what? He heard me talking shit about him, and he beat my team on a last-second touchdown. So if, if he did take rugs, maybe the Jets get the first overall pick. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Let's go to the 4 p.m. game. We were trying to work our way there. Let's go there now. And, Benny, this is the highest total I see on here, aside from this Browns game. It's just a lot of points for me. The Bears are on the road here. They will take on the New Orleans Saints. They are 10.5-point dogs. Ten half point dogs and the hook here in a postseason game. What do you make of it? Where do you view the Bears? We've been higher on the Bears than most people ever anywhere. Is this a week to be high on them? We love the Saints too. You've been higher on the Saints than most people. So how do you view this? Two Is that in my too power much? Yeah, they've been number two in my power rankings from before Drew Brees got hurt. That was the, the way I had it up there. Um Honestly, this opened at nine and a half and my number was right on at nine and a half. So I honestly didn't even look that deep into this game because I was just like, well, I'm right on the market. Everything seems right here. Like this is right where the number should be. Interesting though. Like, again, I had it at nine and a half, meaning you get the hook on your side. It's up to 10 and a half right now, which is a pretty significant one point move because, you know, now if you're going to touchdown is a loss right there. So that's it's not a big key number, but it's a it's a semi-key number that you have there. So 10 and a half is a big number. I mean, listen, here's what it comes down to. Alvin Kamara is back, which is why the NFL has this game on Sunday to begin with, because he is available to come off the COVID list. I think somebody said he wouldn't be able to play They're if it was smart. Saturday. They're not smart. I mean, they made it that way. They're not gonna they're not gonna ruin one of their marquee teams in the first round of the playoffs because of you know the COVID thing right there. So I mean, listen, I think that New Orleans is way better than Chicago. I think yeah. New Orleans wins this game pretty easily. Do I have any desire to take a 10 and a half number? Not no. even a little bit. So nope. this nope. is a complete, like I said, I'm on market. This is a complete pass for me. And and the over-unders at 47. It's just a lot of points to cover on a total that just doesn't seem that high for me. I know the Saints D has played a lot better. The Bears D gets under underestimated a lot. But they did get torched up by the Packers last week, so I kind of lost a lot of faith in them. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think of this game. It is a bit of a pass for me. I see it at 10 most places, so you don't get the hook. BetOnline has you at 10.5 here. Um, I got to pick something for the show. And I think this matchup is interesting for this reason. They're two of the more snake-bitten playoff teams ever, probably, when you think about it. I mean, you got the double doink with the Bears and all the bad luck they get. The Saints, you talk about Diggs, the Vikings, Hail Mary. He had the Vikings last year again with Kyle Rudolph winning the game. They can't buy a bucket in the playoffs, and I'm worried. I'm worried about them covering this 10.5. I love the Saints, and we talked about this. Who's more due than the Saints? And realistically, they're home. They have every reason to actually make a run this year. I wanted to put a futures on them at about 7-1, to 8-1. I haven't stomached up to do it yet. I, I hate to think that way. It, it's, it's nuts to me that I think any other team in the NFL, you lose your starting quarterback. You don't have your running back. You don't have certain players on your team 
If this was the Giants, you chalk it up as an L. The Saints recover every time. Teddy last year, Taysom Hill this year. They showed it last week. They won by like 30. I mean, it's nuts how good they are sometimes. And for whatever reason, come playoff time, they haven't been able to put it together. I'm going to take the Bears 10 and a half. I don't feel great about it. I want to root for the underdog here. They're plus 395 on the money line. There's no way I'm crazy enough to do that. But I'll take the 10 and the hook. Because yeah, I have I, to pick something. I can't pass it for the show. I'm not playing this in real life, but I can't pass it on the show. Ten and a half playoff game and a defensive game. It's too much for me. That's well, that honestly, that's the side that I would pick. Like I said, my number is nine and a half. So ten and a half is above that. And it's above that with the crossover on the 10. Like it's that's the side where the value is. Is it enough value for me to bet on like actual money? No, but for the show, that's where the value is. That's the pick. Okay. And listen. The, our reasoning is enough. 100 wins, baby. 100 wins. Listen to what we got to say. Let's cap this thing off. Let's finish out strong here as we're nearing the hour mark. And this is a game that I think the line's too low. I think it's too low. I, I'm going to come out and say it. I know it's a rematch to last week. I know the division rivals. I know they played close. They're losing their head coach. We just talked about how the Saints recover it all the time. I think a big part of the reason the Browns are where they're at right now and they're not normally the Browns and they have the double-digit wins they do and made the playoffs is Kevin Stefanski. He has COVID and they just lost Olivier Vernon to an Achilles injury. They're six-point dogs on the road here against the Pittsburgh Steelers plus 225 on the money line. Over-unders at 47.5. What are your thoughts on this game? My thoughts is that this opened at like three, between three and a half and four and a half all over the place. So... To go up to six, here's what I was saying today to um, somebody else I was talking to about this game. Coaches are not worth two and a half points in the spread. My number on this game was Pittsburgh minus three and a half. So I was, I was right on market there with what like, you know, some of the other sites or a lot of the sites around the industry opened at three and a half, four right in there is where the open is. Coaches are not worth two points to a spread. So I don't know. We're doing this Tuesday night. I have a feeling that there's going to be some stuff that comes out later on in the week that maybe some of these players might also have to sit out with COVID. Well, they haven't named the players yet, too. They said it was Stefanski, two other staff members, and two players. But we don't right. know who the two players are. Right. And this is what I'm saying is for the spread to move two points, it's probably somebody that is somewhat significant to this game. And until we have that information – there's really no way to know what it is, but a coach is not somebody who's going to move a spread from minus three and a half or minus four to minus six. So somebody is missing. Maybe it's an offensive lineman. Maybe it's like one of their really good defensive players, Miles Garrett or something like, but there's something that we're going to find out tomorrow. Where we're all going to be like, uh, because you know what? The people who are in the know already know. And that's how this number got from four to six. But I don't know what they know, so I don't want to tell you guys what it is because I don't know. I want to tell you what it is, but I just don't know. But there are people out there that know, or this line would not have moved two points already. So, so everything aside, everything aside, numbers aside, right, and, and the COVID aside, what was your early inkling on this game? What did you think? Who would you like better? At three and a half, which was the number I saw at the open on here, I actually was like, you know what? I would take Cleveland here because I'm getting the hook. And I just, I mean, dude, Pittsburgh, 11-0. and 0, Then what did they lose? Four of their last five or something like that? They're, they're crashing. And I think they're the backing Browns, in. 
I don't want a team that's back. And Cleveland has been a team that's had to fight to get in. So I'll take the team that's been fighting. Yeah. I'll take the team that's been fighting. But again, if we find out tomorrow that it's like Baker Mayfield or like <laughs> Nick Chubb or, or Miles yeah, Garrett. If it's the running back room, you're screwed. Well, yeah, or, 100%. I mean, look, it can't happen again, but they lost all their wide receivers and you saw what happened against the Jets. And I think that's my concern with this game. And you're right. I, I think – Whatever personnel group it is matters for sure. Um, I think this is a trap game where, you know, it's funny. And we talk about this on the show all the time. Any loyal listeners know this. When you see the Browns as favorites, you stop and you ask yourself why. When they're six-point dogs, even with the COVID, you stop and you ask yourself why. They just pulled out the win against the Steelers. The Steelers are backing in. For some reason, man, I feel like the Steelers are going to come out and fucking – do work this game. I don't know why they can't stop the run to save them, save their lives right now. It's a, it's just a divisional game. They're home. They played them too close last week and they had nobody. They had yep. nobody. I, it's just rubbing me the wrong way. Six is a lot. I don't know if the Steelers can cover a straight touchdown. I would love if it's no one significant and this number comes back down, but for the sake of the show and where this is at on bet online right now, I'm going to take the Steelers to cover the six. I am. Over-unders at 47 and a half. I didn't um, fully touch on that. I like the under. I do. Yeah, I mean, right now, like I said, it was it was three and a half, four. And it jumped to six right after the Stefanski news. And I, I was doing a, I was doing a, a guest spot on Sports Grid. And I, the guy I was talking to, Joe Pizapia, my boy, I was like, Joe, what do you think about this? He goes, you know what? He goes, coaches don't move the needle. That, and we joke because he's, he's a Patriots fan. I was like, the only coach that moves the needle that much is Belichick and only one going up against Anthony Lynn. And we won money on that one already. So I was like, but otherwise, like a coach is not moving the needle two points. We won money on that. By the way, Benny, shout out. Anthony Lynn got fired. The Jets aren't the only competent organization out there. The Chargers, they were people that thought they they were going to keep Anthony Lynn. There's no way. There's no way they could have kept Anthony Lynn. He made bad, bad decisions. Like there was some, he lost them. He legit lost them games with decisions. Great stand-up guy, community guy. You watch Hard Knocks, you see it. What he stands for and believes in, it's great. Not a good head coach. It's just yeah. what it is. This isn't just- high school football where you want a guy melding young minds. Like this is the NFL. <laughs> you, gotta go, you gotta go win, baby. That's it. Just win, baby. Let's go. Well, you know, this ties into the Jets too, man, because, you know, a name everyone's going to want. And I get it. Brian Dable. Everyone wants Brian Dable because of that. I think the only team he makes sense for. The only team, if I'm Brian Dable, that I'm leaving for is the Chargers. No doubt. Chargers no is not doubt. bad, man. You got a good I young think quarterback. It makes a lot got, of sense. You got some really good uh, pieces on both sides of the ball. Like, are there holes? Yeah, but every team has holes. Like, Chargers, you're – dude, again, if you're a head coach and you have the opportunity to step in to coach the Chargers or the Jets – not even, not even the fact that, oh, yeah, you want to go live in New York in the cold-ass weather for the next yeah. five years? You want to go live in San Diego? Like, not take that out. hard knocks. Look what yeah. Anthony Lynn was doing this offseason. He was grilling. He was flipping yeah. burgers, getting filmed by hard knocks. Yeah. No? You're right. That's a, that's a desirable job over there. You know, whether it's uh, wherever you wind up in Southern California, is a desirable place to be. Well, it depends. I've been to L.A. recently, and – well, it's not too southern, but it's southern. Um, LA is considered not great. Southern, yeah. Not great. I love it. I I love the idea of LA, but you need to not be in LA because it's if you're from New York, 
LA is just like a poor man's New York, in my opinion. It's like it's everything you would get in New York, but with just even more homelessness and just so much smog. It's it it, it almost doesn't do like New York is dirty, but like in the subways, like at its roots, LA's just dirty. <laughs> like it's just dirty. Like, like New York's dirty too. Like you get what I'm saying, though. You understand? No, I, I know what you're saying. Yes. I, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't hate LA as much as you apparently hate LA. But I love LA. I went. Look, I went there. You know, for the viewers at home, they know we like to smoke a little bit of weed. I went out there because it was legalized. I went to Vegas first, but I went to LA. I love LA. I love USC. Fight on, baby. But oh, actually, fight on. Threw it up. I'm like rock and roll. I don't know why I did that. Um, fight on. Uh, I love USC. I love I love Southern California, but it, it's it's not as much glitz and glamour as I expected. But maybe you got to know the right people. Maybe well, you that's the, be in the right parts of town too. That's you know. There's, there's I should get in the show business, is what it is, Betty. I got in the show business. Yes. Good, good luck, man. No <laughs> Move there's, out a there. people, there's a thousand people waiting tables right now in LA. There's a, there's a thousand homeless people in LA that wanted to do the same thing that I was just trying to do. Yeah, 100%. All right, we have one more game. So normally we have a list of games out the ass to do this. We are done with the regular season. It breaks my heart. It does because we don't have the entire board to bet. We still bet the entire board, but we don't have the entire board to bet. Um, smaller we have, board. Yeah, we have the entire board here. There's one more game left here. And also, shout out to Monte Smith again for winning the Heisman. We have a national championship game to bet here, Benny. You told me before you came on, you don't watch college football enough. And that's fair. That's fair. But this is the game to watch. This has implications on the New York Jets. This could be your guy for all you know. You don't. Justin Fields in the green and white. You could see it now. You could see it now. Six touchdowns. He's heating up. Look. I think the beautiful thing about this game, so national championship, it is on Monday. We won't be able to tape a show before then, so I want to make sure we could sneak it in. Ohio State here on DraftKings, they didn't have it up on betonline.ag. They are eight-and-a-half-point dogs against Bama, a significantly high number for a team that just smoked Clemson, plus 220 on the money line. And if you want to talk about high over-unders, 75-and-a-half points is the over-under. It's a lot. It's a lot of points. Um, Benny, I love Ohio State here. I'll just take the eight and a half. And here's why. The only team that could beat Bama in my eyes, aside from Trevor Lawrence as a freshman, has been Ohio State. And I just think eight and a half is way too much, man. I, I think they can at least keep this within a touchdown after I just saw Justin Fields do what he did. It, you know, some, something needs to be said for someone catching fire at the right time. He stunk. In the regular season, they only play like five games. He did not play very well, but you play your best game against the best teams. Got six touchdown passes against Clemson. Something needs to be said about that. Uh, I know you said you don't watch enough of it, but you got to have a side. Who do you like? Who do you want to put your money on? Even if you don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I won't. I won't do it because I, <laughs> okay. I don't have the edge. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about why I should be on one side or another for me to do it. Now I have guys that I work with that do, and if one of them tells me, "Oh, that's the side you should be on," he did the work, then I'll then I'll listen to him. And you let me know when he tells you. <laughs> oh, yeah, without a doubt, yeah, yeah. Um, I would like to see Ohio State win because I have a lot of friends that are Ohio State fans, and that'll be good for them. I also learned back in the day with Maurice Claret that you never bet against Ohio State in a national championship game. So, mm. you know, for me, I just wouldn't do that. Now, with that being said, 
everything I know about college football is that you tend to not lose very often if you bet on Alabama. So You don't bet against Alabama. It's like the Patriots with Brady and Belichick. You don't bet against the Pats. You just don't do it back in the day. But, but Alabama's rolling on a high. I mean, they really have not had anything go wrong for them. Devontae Smith won the Heisman. I mean, he just looks untouchable. That's the catch. Uh, um, who the hell is going to play defense and stop him? I don't know, man. I love – you know something? Just because I want to say I was a part of it, I'm going to take the over at 75 and a half. The regular season record is already there. We hit 100. You know something? I want to be a part of something where it's like you see that over that looks untouchable. It's going to even fucking pass that. I mean, why stop at 75 and a half? I mean, it's got to be – you're saying that it's 42-35 then, right? I mean, something like that. And th- right. that covers it. Yep, 42-35 will do it. Dude, that that would be – I'm rooting for one of the better – it It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of yeah. fun to root for it if it gets that. I mean, 75 points, you probably had a really good time watching that game. So, And it's a Monday night game? Monday, we're, we're Monday night, isn't it? Monday night, that game? Yep. Yep. Championship Monday. I like that. I like that. Well, so that one doesn't have a lot of analysis to it, but we'll take the over here at 75 and a half just because I don't want to miss out. Uh, it's like FOMO. It's like FOMO. We, we took so many unders early on. You, you can't not take the over in this. So we'll take the over in the natty. Let's run through it for the people. Again, we have futures on the bills here. So we're going to make sure that we take the bills here, but in a teaser, we like the Colts at six and a half. If you get them at seven, seven and a half, that somehow jumps back up to yeah, where the early line was. We love up. that. We love that. We could possibly win both sides here. Um, Seattle, we took the under also as well in that Bills-Colts game. Again, we're betting crazy on the board because – so I want to note to the people, we're almost done with football. we got a few more weeks left. Have fun. If you listen to the show, 63%, you've made enough money to spare it. Let's have some fun. Let's bet the board. Let's go crazy. Then we go to Seattle. We have them minus four. And our second part of the Bills teaser will be the Bucks. So you bring the Bills down to a Bickham. You bring the Bucks down to minus two. Give me the Bucks over Washington. I also have the under in that game. I'm going to hammer the Titans. I love the Ravens. Love them. Defend them more than anybody in the game. Give me the Titans. I'll also hammer the over there. I had to pick something, so I'll take the Bears 10 and a half. And I like the Steelers. I did say I took the under, but I'm not going to take the under there. Give me the Steelers minus six. Oh, and Ohio State in the over. Benny, where are you at? Did I miss anything? What else do you like? No, like I said, the my favorite bet of the week and one I put in the package over at FTM Bets, I'll give you guys the uh, you know the freebie over here, is uh, Buffalo teased down to I, – I got it at seven, so I teased it down to one. And I teased the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down to two and a half, got through the seven and the three on those, which was the uh, the big thing for me. And just hoping Buffalo and Tampa Bay both win by at least the field goal. It'll be a good weekend. Yeah, a thousand percent. And again, guys, I think our best bets and our safest bets are always those teasers. It, it may not be the most exciting because you're bringing it down and the value doesn't look like it's there. You can make money if you fork over enough money to make sure you get some profit on that. So I highly recommend you listen to what we're saying on that. And if you don't, shame on you. Benny, thank you for coming on as always. This is a first. This is a first. The, the chat wasn't able, uh, was disabled 
on the uh, live stream here, but we made it happen. We survived. And I think something needs to be said about that because, you know, something 2021 is a year where you need to go out and just make things happen. Make it happen for yourself. That's what we're doing here. We're doing that on the Believe in New York football podcast. And, you know, credit to us, credit to you. We said we'd get to 100 wins and we fucking did it, man. I'm proud of that too. Um, anything you want to plug, anything you have going on NBA-wise, FTN bets, network-wise that we want to touch on before we hop off. Yeah, I mean, you guys know where you can find me. Follow me at uh, BennyR11 over on Twitter and pretty much every other social media platform as well. And then uh, if you're looking for my stuff, FTN Network on YouTube every day. I'm either putting out – I'm putting something out every day. It's either NBA or NFL. Right now, it's basically NBA every day doing some prop betting stuff over there with uh, FTN Bets. And then every weekend, I do a video quite like this where I go through the numbers at the first look as soon as they come out. Um, something a lot of people find entertaining and, uh, and useful. So get over and check that out. FTN network on YouTube. We'll have to, uh, I'll add something FTN network on the next time we do this. I put this together. It's a makeshift. You haven't seen it yet. You can't see it. I don't think I, I sent you the link. You don't know. It's all right. It's all right. We'll talk about it all. Yeah. I, I can't watch it while we're actually filming it. I'll watch it later, but you know, you could add I'm a over here playing producer director. I'm trying to do the best I can, but we'll get something FTN network. You probably have some lower thirds for me to add to this. So I'll make sure uh, we plug something for them. So I don't want, cause I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but Benny card, bro. At the end, when you, when you go to the video, you click edit, you put the little card up on top that says, if you want more Benny, you can just link. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that works. That works. We'll, we'll, we'll add that. Um, Benny, thank you again, man. Anytime. Cheers. That interview with Benny Ricciardi was brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Big shout out again to Benny for coming on. Big thank you to him. Guys, 100 win show here, 63%. Need I say more? Listen to our picks. Good luck in the postseason. We pump out winners. I have no worries. We are not shook ones on this show. Let's continue to make money. Let's continue to cash our tickets. Let's, let's continue to have a great 2020 to 2021 gambling season. The year is not done yet. We still got a month left. So let's capitalize on it before football is done. Please follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Like, download, rate, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Guys, thank you for tuning in. See you next Wednesday. Be safe. Love you guys. Talk soon. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.